0: Hello there welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show episode number 653 with I your host Agostino Zynga this is the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga and I hope you are doing well wherever this podcast may find you I hope you are doing splendid how am I all good all things considered I thought I'd bang out this podcast quickly before I out on my run It's currently about 4 a.m. now, and I'm going to go out for a run at 6, so... You know, we're going to just bang out some topics and stuff And get talking about what we need to talk to about And then we're going to continue marching on As we usually do on this lovely, lovely day But yeah, I hope all you guys are good, wherever you are Um, Life has been somewhat splendid to me, I'm not going to lie um, It's been an absolute revelation to have a weekend Where I'm not for the most part out and about Going crazy, doing crazy things, acting wild And just kind of chilling out It's been pretty nice and it kind of reminded me of the, the good work I used to do Post-COVID, you know, pre-COVID, sorry um, Where I was really on job I'd, I wasn't taking no prisoners You know what I mean? I was on it, on it like Sonic And, you know, as per usual with the rest of us I think, you know, the, the, the flipping COV19 Kind of changed us all But hey, enough said about that one Because we don't want to keep going over Flipping the old stuff again and again and again and again But regardless, we're here We're nice, we're happy We're ready to roll Um, i'm feeling pumped i'm feeling hyped i love a good monday i say it all the time monday is usually my favorite day for me i know i'm kind of dating the pod because for sure the audio side of things will come out on the tuesday because it's got download and whatnot but mondays for me are my favorite 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 days i love a good monday i love it because you get a chance to reset you get a chance to start again you get a chance to turn a new leaf and just kind of you know get your week started right i think for me for the most part when i used to be really on job and I used to kind of watch what I was eating I was working out a bunch I was reading all the time because nowadays I'm finding it difficult even to carve out an hour in a day to kind of focus and read I'm always touching my phone and stuff so it's really annoying those are things that I need to stop but I remember before when I was really on job one of the things that I used to really really love about Mondays was that it gave me a chance to reset especially if I had like a crazy weekend if I went out and partied a lot and got it got on it like sonic I had the opportunity on Monday to kind of just wipe the slate clean and because I used to work for the most part for the majority of my life really crappy like service jobs where you're working in bars service industry jobs so you're working in bars you're working in flipping you know shops and stuff um you're helping out in restaurants you're helping out in like street food markets all those type of things used to do because of that in general you're kind of working crazy hours you may be doing 12 hour shifts 15 hour shifts 18 hour shifts like just madness is right um you know 18 is a bit excessive but you know what i mean it's sometimes over eight for the most part So, you don't really have the time or the energy to go out usually on the same day you're working, and you also want to make sure you wake up the next day in order to get to work on time. So, most of my partying and my raving and my going up crazy was resigned and kind of pushed only to the weekend, and that's the only thing I could do. And sometimes the weekend will come around, I'd be so tired, I wouldn't even go out, but I used to always only do it on the weekend, and because of that. It made the partying really good, but it made it really intense. So you were going really crazy, right? I was like on a Project X type of vibe, right? Legendary party movie. I was on that vibe all the time. And then um I was wondering actually, was Project X the inspiration for Euphoria? Like, like partly. I know it wasn't, but that kind of hedonistic kind of you know lifestyle vibe. They kind of took the film and kind of turned it into a TV series. Who knows? But regardless, it got a bit too crazy. But then also because it was only kind of you know focus on the weekend the monday's opportunity to start again and start fresh because i did like the balance especially working in a service industry job where you're working so hard to be like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna work hard but i'm gonna play hard whereas i feel nowadays because i'm working from home for the most part i'm doing loads of online stuff marketing social media customer whatever i'm doing right in terms of a job customer service type of stuff online and i'm on my laptop You don't really have that kind of split between the work and and home. You don't mean between that work and play. So that's the one thing I think about because I think someone asked me the other day actually, um, what do I prefer, working from home or working in the office? I think one of the kind of downsides, the cons of working from home is that there's no division between like your home life and your work life. So everything kind of blends into one. And also you have more time to kind of muck around because you're basically at home and you finish on time all the time, right? So there's no there's no kind of like grace period. There's no time to cut, like, you know, because a lot of my sometimes events or nights out were maybe... Um, predicated on if I bumped into somebody on the way home like if I left my office somewhere like Shoreditch or something and I was walking down to Liverpool Street Station and before I went there I bumped into somebody who said hey let's grab a cocktail then suddenly I'm out do you know what I mean it just kind of went that way whereas nowadays you kind of have to make an effort to kind of leave your house get dressed get showered whatever maybe and then go out type of vibe but um yeah, I'm noticing that kind of lack of division is making everything a little bit blurred and a little bit, you know, there's too much of a melange. It's too much mixing and stuff going on. There's no real clear divisions in it, which is making it a little bit difficult for me in that regard. But again, you can't complain because I'm saving a bunch of money on um travel, working from home, so that's something I'm never ever ever going to really complain about. And also I think culturally or like, you know, is it culturally or like you no, know, um Not even culture Is it culture Maybe it's working culture I'd say Because in the UK For the longest time Working from home Was seen as like A bad thing Like it was seen as Like you were being lazy Um, Like you didn't want to Work hard or whatnot Right And, And or It was things One of those things Where it's only reserved For your managers Because I remember working in certain places where your managers were able to basically work from home. They had to bring their laptop home and, you know, work from a server remotely, blah, blah, blah. But it was never something that was offered to everybody. It was only something that was only specific to a certain level of employee sort of thing. So I just like that nowadays, even if your company does tell you to come in three times a week, at least you get two days. Even if you have to come in four, at least you get one. At least it's not frowned upon now if you work from home. You're kind of treated normally as everyone else is instead of kinda of be looked upon like you don't want to turn up and whatnot. But yeah, the saving money's been amazing because I've got I've got back into cycling. Really, really heavy. So that's really been fun. And I've recently um had to go and buy a whole new set of flipping um inner tubes because my inner tubes keep flipping busting because my fat ass keeps flipping exploding the inner tubes but i did manage to get them and i'm enjoying it i flipping love the fact that i've got a bike now that i can kind of use to kind of go to the raves and stuff and i've got a whole flipping pack of flipping inner tubes i can kind of exchange them with um but god damn it man taking off an inner tube is so so long um, you forget how flipping excruciating it is, but luckily I've got these like little Workman gloves that I flippin' bought. I think I copied the ones that you know Virgil and Kanye were wearing for a long time, but basically loads of handyman use them, and they made out like, this really nice rubberized sort of fabric so you can kind of grab stuff and not feel like your fingernails are going to rip off or your skin's going to chaff and stuff, so that's pretty decent. And yeah, this has saved me a bunch, so I'm really happy and really down with the bicycle life that I'm living right now. Um, bicycle life is us, us is bicycle life. Nothing else comes in between it But yeah, Mondays are good, Mondays are nice I hope you guys will be having a good Monday As we start to stream and start talking about all the good And amazing cultural stuff that's happened this week That I want to touch upon Because as per usual, this is The Action Zinger Show And all we do here is talk about culture And what's going on out there Number one thing I quickly want to cover and mention Because I think this needs to be highlighted Is this 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 have you heard the weekend's new album live at the SoFi Stadium? Have you heard it? Okay. The only reason why I know what the SoFi Stadium is is because I remember that was the place where Kanye tried to have a couple of shows and he wanted to do a whole slew of shows and whatnot, but then he went out and said those mean things about the Jewish people and they cancelled everything. I never really heard about this place, but I guess it's very famous in the United States. Regardless, um I was saying recently how Rolling Loud was really cool. It was really great to it was great to see kind of like a whole because you know some it makes me smile when I see loads of young kids, especially Gen Z kids, going crazy over artists that they kind of obsess and love because I think you know that generational shift of seeing like the young kids and what they're kind of into is kind of cool because that entire lineup of Rolling Loud is full of the kid you know the artists that kids flipping love in the door. But one thing that kind of bummed me out about it was that I didn't think the kids got a lot of value for money at those performances. They didn't get any value for money. Yes, Alan, and this is live, 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 live. We are live, we are live. Um, I didn't think um, the the fans got value for money when they were performing because all of the artists that were performing were performing with a vocal backing track meaning they had basically the MP3 playing in the background and they just maybe lowered the highs and just kind of rapped or song over it. And it just had this weird sound where you kind of hear two vocals hamming at you first or like certain artists, you know, all the ones on Opium, like Destroy Lonely, um, Ken Carson and obviously Playboy kai all those kind of guys, what they usually do is that they usually kind of act as like hype men for their own music. So they'll get on the stage or start screaming and maybe ad-libbing, but they won't be rapping the entire thing just because um, the experience of, moshing and going crazy with fellow fans of your said music is mostly what they're about and not actually the performing but i still think in my opinion considering most of these young gen z favorite artists are not the most lyrical in the world and some of their biggest hits are usually repetitive they should really try to sing live in front of their fans because i think live performances even though they're really unpredictable and sometimes other people don't like to hear like the breathing sounds from the artists or they're mucking up the words or whatnot i think that's what makes live performances special and what makes them great that unpredictability of it that kind of improvised improv improv side improvisation you can kind of do on the spot i keep mentioning all the time my favorite kind of current person who does it nowadays is someone like Mac DeMarco. Mac DeMarco is very well known for like performing live and completely changing up the flow of a song, switching up the chorus, looping the chorus for a long time, you know, stripping himself naked and jumping into the crowd or whatnot. It just goes a bit crazy, but it kind of adds a live performance so that when you're buying a ticket, you know, you're going to go and actually see a show, a performance. You're not just going to see somebody just standing there, letting the DJ play what you already have on your iPhone and then you go home. I don't think that's worth the money that these guys are charging. And especially nowadays, considering they charge quite a bit for these festivals, right? $50 up, sometimes $100, $200. You really should give the fans a live experience. And what I listened to on this album from the weekend was exactly what I went to hear at Flipping Rolling Loud. I know Rolling probably had to be there to experience it, but this live album rem- reminded me of why I used to love listening to live albums. Like one of my favorite live albums ever is the Slayer live album. I think I've, I, did I re-download it recently? I'm based listening to this all the time whenever I used to go jogging. It was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite ever, ever live albums uh, called "Flipping Decades of Aggression. Absolutely, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And, um, the reason why I loved it was because it's essentially what I listened to in MP3, but performed live. Sometimes the tracks from Slayer are pretty short and they'd be a little bit longer when they really performed them live. You'd hear the reaction from the crowd, the texture, the vibe, the ambiance. everything about it was absolutely incredible. And I loved every part of it. And I didn't understand why more people didn't do it. Because for me, when I heard those live albums from metal bands, like Slayer, um, like Black Sabbath, like Kiss, um, I don't know, like Metallica, like Crowbar, Sepultura, um, ACDC, um, who else I can think of, Rammstein, all these people that listen to their live albums, Nirvana even, but then you know, I didn't get a chance to see them live. It would make me want to buy a ticket to see them perform. Just those live albums alone, It'll make me want to go see them perform. That's it. That's it. That's only one I want to see. It'll make me want to see them perform. And I didn't want anything else about that. And I don't know why these guys don't do the same thing because they've already got their fans in the palm of their hands. They've already got a million streams. Everyone's kind of you know riding on their coattails, loving what they do. Why not just add to the performance by sprinkling in a really, really good performance live one that isn't just what you play on MP3? Why not do that? Because I feel like this Weekend album is gonna turn a lot of people around. I'm a big Weekend fan and a big stan. Um, from the mixtape days right I was lucky enough to see him perform here in London um, really early on um, when it was kind of you know when he wasn't really comfortable with being on stage and having people watch him but um, I'd like to see the progression of him as becoming into this pop star that he is now and this album I feel like was the greatest representation of his kind of his kind of overall journey because the amount of hits on this the amount of hits on this is crazy so 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 good the amount of hits on this album and they span his entire discography and you think to yourself there are so many other tracks that are left off of this um, album that's like what 30 tracks long or something 31 actually you think to yourself if the, if anyone did actually try and test The weekend on like a versus they might get absolutely demolished and ashamed they really did because this is absolutely wild how good this is. It's really, really bizarrely good. Um, A lot of the tracks kind of give, you know, I, I've been, I've, I don't know, I think elevated somewhat when they perform live a little bit in that regard. But for me, it's completely, completely, completely solid. And definitely recommend if you haven't listened to it already and you're not a fan of The weekend, do try and check it out live performance wise Because I do think this has done some bits and bobs for him in terms of numbers going through and probably added to his, you know, appeal when it comes to people recognising or wanting to see him perform live. I think so personally. Personally. So big up the weekend for smashing it. What we were saying in the chat. Big up. Okay, since so is down one. Talk about the U.S. banks going under or Shorb. Sure. Alan N. No. Um. This is the Accident of English. This is my cultural commentary podcast. I don't really talk about that stuff on here. Usually, I leave that for the random show, which I'm going to be doing later today so no late Well, later tomorrow well later today anyway i guess in your time i'll be doing a random show going over all the comedy stuff so if you want to check that out then come back for the random show later today i'll be doing that for sure um and yeah, yeah this is not pre-recorded this is this is live this is live and direct live and direct um but yeah live and direct and what you call it um In i will to be fair that stuff is not really my forte i try and um I try and only stick to the things that I kind of know well, while what, what I'm talking about because I talk, I kind of just ramble and rant. But in an effort to appease my audience, I will Google it and see what you're saying about SVB. I'm, I'm assuming you mean Silicon Valley Bank and I'll check it and I'll kind of reply back and kind of report back when I do the random show. So I'll, I'll, I'll do that and then we can go from there. But for now... I'm just going to go through the topics I kind of specked out here on the random sh- on this um sorry the Agassino <coughs> Zinger show, um which obviously my cultural commentary podcast where I talk about everything concerning culture and then all this other comedy stuff. If you want to hear it, it'll be hit- said on the random show which will be recorded later, which I'll be streamed later. Sorry, um so definitely, 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 definitely check it out. Um next on the list here, I want going to mention this so. It's this random thing going on, not sort of random, but it's a. I guess it's you know random for me because I don't really care. But I thought this is really really funny. So this is funny. There's this story going on at the moment with flipping little Dirk. Little Dirk's out here fighting for his life, trying to get his missus back, India Royal, um, because something happened in their relationship where I guess where I guess they split up. I'm not too sure what happened, but most likely you can guess with him being a world famous, well-regarded, um, you know, celebrity flipping rapper and stuff. You can assume it was probably something to do with the infidelity. Cool. They broke up. They split. It is what it is. But ever since then, he's been doing some weird thing. Like he's trying to basically win her back in public by posting these weird, you know, celebrations and whatnot and shouting her out. And she clearly doesn't really give any damn about it whatsoever. She does not care whatsoever about it. And um, it's been really interesting to see it play out in real time, because for me, I feel like anybody else, if anybody else did what Dirk was doing, which is this, this whole text of messages, it'd be looked at as somewhat like, I won't say abusive, but like, maybe love bombing, maybe somewhat, may, yeah, maybe some sense of love bombing would be as- ascribed to this, but I guess when you're famous, and you're well regarded, and you have money, your things that you do kind of get looked at as maybe being sweet and maybe being caring and he's trying to fight for relationship. I don't really know what it is, but either way it just looks really, really terrible. And I'm going to say it looks kind of embarrassing, especially being, um, especially being a, uh, an avid fan of little duck seeing him lose himself like this in public has been pretty crazy to see in real time. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the caption, I'll read a bit of it because it's absolutely wild and the spelling's absolutely crazy. But this is a, this is a screenshot taken from Little Dirk's Instagram stories where he's basically trying to win India Royal back his ex-girlfriend. He says the following. Let me just look crazy because GM, yeah, um, she not dumb or just to her money on her own. Even after I went broke, she helped me. Watch my page all day. I'm going to give the street and relationships some tips later from The Voice, not the people who post drama only. It's fucked up on my end, not hers. I fucked up. She played a small part. She really a good girls um, who live life. I'm a good guy. Good husband, allegedly, because um, I just overtalked, never listened to her pain. Back when she was back pregnant, Willow in the belly, a.k.a. Fat Ma. Yo. How the hell do some of our best rappers of our time be unable to write normally, but they can rap amazing? Why is that possible? It kind of reminds me of people that have stutters. Because I remember I had a slight stutter growing up. Somehow you stutter when you speak, but then you don't stutter when you sing or you rap. What's the deal with that? It continues. So I ain't perfect, but I'm from you. I love you. I'm all ears whenever we get back in a relationship you saved my life with you and willow and big sky outside all my kids you was there r.i.p d thing another post this is real shit don't attack her she definitely the best in the world trust me i ain't do her wrong i just keep her from the world i love you i love you having fun and we ain't fighting and said not fight and i started one but i miss you that's all we ain't no jokes we really that we can't get the bag bag together without doing the most or copycat what they did. Happy be the Royal. Royale, not belated every day, your day, read it, everybody. Now, I don't know what this is about. I don't know if this means he is um high because I know I've been there sometimes where you're, you know, you're under the influence of some sort of drugs or alcohol and you get, the, you get the funny idea or the clever idea you think to reach out to somebody and say something. And you think it kind of sounds fly and it sounds cool and it sounds romantic and it sounds appealing. But to other person, it just sounds like a drunken high ramble from somebody that probably should put down the pipe. And this sounds like something similar. And then, of course, you know, there's some evidence here of culture of mob rules showing that, you know, to begin with, you know, Dirk didn't really care too tough. There's a post here with India Royale talking about how she's confirming that she's um, very single, Bin Bin, and there's a post here from him at the same time saying, stop putting my name with hers. That was years ago. Who cares? Get wealthy, right? So basically dismissing all whole thing, and then a few moments later, there he is crying on social media about it, and then he's posting this, real love, not paid situation. I just love her to death. She fed up, but I'm a saver. So he's really going hard to try to rescue the situation but it looks like she's done i hopped on twitter to say i love you and now and i'm gonna go crazy he says here talking about my daughter stop it i'm not goofy i'm smirk don't forget it um and him again jokingly sends out a threat to people saying that he might get them smoked if they do try and approach his girl and most posts on here again meanwhile for me for me the funny thing about this whole thing right is this i legitimately think right I legitimately think that guys don't understand. Maybe because I've, I've, um, I've been sort of in situations not to do with girls, but mostly to do with friendships or to do with like meetings because I usually I go out on my own a lot. I go visit these different places to go and rave and I sometimes bump into people, right? I sometimes bump into people um, normally uh, who are just, you know, just out on their own as well, just looking for fun, had to hang out. And I remember early on in my kind of techno-tourism heyday, I would get attached to things. Like, I'd, I'd see people, you'd have a really intense conversation in the toilet somewhere, doing some things you probably shouldn't be doing, or out in the dance floor somewhere. And you legitimately think this is your friend. You maybe add each other on social media, you exchange some messages here and there. But another time, you know, things just peter out and they kind of go where they go. Or maybe that was just a situation that happened in that one moment and that was it but then you try to revive it and then you get met with like a completely different face of somebody. And you're like, "Raw, how come we were like so cool before and now something's it's kind of changed and you realise, oh, it wasn't never really a friendship thing. It was just what it was in the situation in that kind of moment. And sometimes as well, apart from that, when people are over something, they're just over it. There's no re engage there's no relighting it. There's no nothing that you can do to kind of make it go back to where it once was. It's just done. And I think for the longest time... I never kind of got my head around it. And I think it's even worse with girls for the most part. When girls are done, when they say they finished, when they say they don't want any more of you or they don't want no parts of you anymore, in my humble experience and from seeing other people's, it's very, very difficult to relight that fire. Almost impossible. To relight the fire, almost impossible, if not very difficult, to start that energy back up again. It just doesn't happen. So when I see these guys trying their darndest to make it happen, it really makes it <laughs> hilarious and it's a complete waste of time. So when I see Duke doing this sort of stuff, I think to myself, God damn it, it's embarrassing. But then on the flip side of things, what's the risk really? He's embarrassing himself to who? People like myself. Do we know him? No, we don't. Does he care? Probably not. And if of- reality situation is by the you know in a couple of months maybe in a couple of weeks we would we would have completely forgot about this and it won't be front page news but if this is a step closer to him getting his girl back being embarrassed for a couple of you know for a couple of days on social media might be the price worth to pay because we won't remember this in a couple of weeks you know that's the only thing about it That's the only thing I'm thinking about that might make sense, but it's just funny to see somebody who people would regard as being very street, very hard, very somewhat aggressive behind the mic, getting on social media, pleading and crying for his girl to come back when he knows why she left in the first place. That's the thing that I love the best, that kind of like not really addressing why the girl left in the first place, because usually girls in that position, you'd imagine dating somebody so successful and rich as him. Unless he does something really crazy, why would they leave? They've got no real reason to leave because, you know, life is comfortable. Life is good. So clearly my man did something. But again, let's not, let's not speak about it. Just come back home. The kids miss you. You know, whatever. The cats miss you. The house miss you. Come back, please. Um, I need you right now, which, you know, maybe it will work. Maybe it won't work. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know, that's the, that's the main thing. But bigger doke for trying his best to make it work. Next on this, I want to mention this. Or to mention this. Mention this. Mention this. I think this is really funny. So Michael miles was recently on Joe Rogan, right? And he was talking, you know, just, you know, doing what Michael miles does. Um, you know, loads of um, what's that thing called? Loads of Michael Myers ponder and talk. And one of the really crazy things that I find really funny about this conversation with Michael Myers and Joe Rogan, there's a little segment where Michael miles basically lords joe and tells him that he's the reason why austin texas is booming and popping the way it is and it got me thinking about the nature of um riding and the nature of like sucking somebody off in order to kind of gain their favor or just the nature of giving somebody props because i feel like nowadays giving someone props because we live in such a cynical world people legitimately think the worst of the props that you're giving you don't really see it with good intentions it's always kind of seen with the worst intention so let's play this clip of michael malice giving joe rogan these flowers and then i'm going to continue with some other bits that i think might be necessary this as well so this is michael malice talking to joe rogan about his importance of what he's done to bring in you know austin to be what it is
2: i mean are you not loving what's been happening with this city yeah, I love the city. And it's I lo- thanks I really to you do. in large part, don't you think?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm very happy if anybody thinks that, but it's just an amazing city. It's just, we're very lucky to be here. It's really special, but so I, it's very I, unusual.
2: I feel like we're in unprecedented times because this is the only time in American history, to my knowledge, where a red state is going to be a cultural center uh because you remember like new york in the 70s paris in the 20s obviously paris is in a, is a yeah. country but you ha- when you have all these different groups uh venn diagramming together it becomes something bigger than the sum of its parts so we've got the biohacker people here we've got the bitcoin people here we've got the whole foods crowd the kuya crowd your, your honor people you've got the podcasters you've got the comedians you know it's just it's, it's just, amazing it's a and musicians the, the oh, of a music musicians it's here. not even getting to the music yeah the music capital of incredible the world. I mean, are you not loving... So,
0: is Michael Malice riding Joe Rogan, or is this what you should be doing? If somebody that you know, somebody you think is a friend, is doing something amazing and you want to give them props, is that how you should be approaching it? The only concerning thing for me about this sort of stuff, and I think that makes it funny is that you rarely, if ever, hear people, especially Joe Rogan's friends who go on this pod, criticize him, or maybe you know maybe want him to clarify certain things that he says or take him to task about certain things it's always the excessive praise the excessive deriding, which is a bit much in my opinion it can be a little bit grossed out but I also think in the area that we live in now especially myself included where everybody kind of is super hypercritical, I think it's quite nice to have an opportunity or a platform where you can be kind of overly positive with somebody and give them their flowers and let them know hey we appreciate what you're doing we see what you're doing we see the influence we're not going to make all these connections once you've passed or whatever it may be we're going to tell you right now of the importance of what you're doing for this city and what you're doing for comedy and blah 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 blah," and say what we want to say now to you and not do it while you're in the ground that is somewhat nice not going to lie about it but it does come across a little bit excessive and a bit gross because, you know, Michael to sit there with a straight face and say the reason why people are leaving other cities around the United States, especially places where I'd imagine the cost of living is way higher and going to places like Austin or Dallas is because of Rogan, is really weird. No? It's really, really, really weird. That's the only thing that I am think is a bit strange. So you would hope that as much as people like to praise people and give them hype and you know give them flowers while they're alive there also needs to be a need and a kind of insistence to also be truthful and say hey you messed up here i didn't like this i didn't like that but because everyone's so scared of not getting the invitation to come back on rogan again they don't say it but a part of me thinks a part of me this is a part of me i don't know if this is true given rogan's influence on culture given how big he is i think he probably appreciates it when people are way more honest with him than when they try and suck up to him or when they try and lick his boots or whatnot and go above and beyond to kind of be nice. I think he actually appreciates when people are kind of somewhat normal to him because he probably doesn't get a lot of those interactions because everybody knows the power of his podcast and how life-changing it can be to some people's careers and what they're doing and increase their profile and their image and blah, 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 and sales and just life trajectory that they will do anything in their power to make sure they protect that, you know, that kind of link or that connect. But if you actually want to be his friend, friend, you're probably better off, you know, shitting at him a couple of times, you know, maybe arguing back, maybe presenting alternative facts, all those things might actually work way better than trying to lick him up and trying to make sure that he knows that you're his best and most fierce advocate that isn't really going to work in my opinion but hey again what do i know when it comes to this sort of stuff what do i know when it comes to that sort of stuff then it also got me thinking about maybe one of the grossest pieces of um D i've seen in a long time and this might be from jim jones recently he sat down with the interview with complex and he essentially declared um what's his face drake as the best rapper ever which I thought was absolutely insane to say. Especially when you consider, you know, just where, you know, Jim Jones' generation, where he kinda of come from, what cut, what kind of what kind of cloth he's cut from. And also just in general, you know, to say Jake is the best rapper of all time is really strange because we all know he's influenced. We all know how important he is to culture. We all know what he's basically done, but he's not it doesn't need to be said in that way. He might be one of the best artists of his generation, but to say the rapper rapper of all time, considering the stuff attached to his name with a ghostwriter, again, this is me as being a fan. It's just a very difficult and a hard statement to kind of take seriously. But then when you think about the connection that OVO has with Dipset, the recent show they did in New York, the merch they created, Jim Jones effectively is, connect, is protecting his connect because, you know, to have, you know, someone like a Drake on your side is a really big look, especially when you're someone like a Jim Jones, you're like an older senior person in hip hop, you know, maybe the most relevant when it comes to the kids, having that connection with someone like a Drake and having him co-sign you and say, you're his OG as well. And somebody he looked up to can do, go, do wonders for preserving your kind of status and kind of keeping you in the conversation when it comes to the music. But regardless, it was still disgusting. So this is Jim Jones here, sat with complex, telling them that Drake is the best rapper of all time. This is heinous, because he doesn't even believe it. I don't think. There's no way he believes it. No way he believes it. Let's get it up on here.
1: Be in it, like you know what I mean, from all angles of music. It ain't no place you can't go that they're not gonna play some Drake records. Go, go go bar- go in it like you know what i mean from all angles of music it ain't no place you can not go that they not gonna play some drake records to get the party started um he moving around here like the real bruce wayne like his like his, like he's my spirit animal man i just gotta give credit where credit is due and not taking away from the in it like you know what i mean and
0: then of course drake saw that and thanked him by you know reposting some pictures of him wearing the famous um cameron pink fur at his show Day in New York, and then, of course, some extra pictures of Jim Jones back in the day, counting money, looking amazing in the Chrome hearts and before and whatnot, and another picture of Drake wearing a dipset jacket. So most of that love, and again, I love the fact that if you zoom in on Drake's hands, Drake's got the nicest hands in the world. This guy hasn't worked a single hard shift in his entire life, has he? Life has been really good to Drake. I love it, but his hands look rich, isn't it? His hands look opulent. His hands look like they been dipped in luxury, like he washes his hands in fucking extra virgin oil and shit. Crazy. But yeah, regardless, um, one of the things about de-riding that kind of works is that you enamor yourself with the said people. They kind of treat you as an ally, treat you as a protector and you kind of gain favor with them. Right? It kind of makes you get way, 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 way closer. That's what it makes it to be. You know, that's what it makes it to be. I really, really do appreciate it. So big up Jim Jones for doing what he does. That is the right way to go about things. We do love it. We do love it. Um, what are you guys saying in the chat? What are you guys saying in the chat? You guys are going mad. What are you guys saying in the chat? uh i go can you give me a mention or tell vidyaka to calm down i'm about to bounce (laughs) like yo everyone just just get on man i don't know what's going on just get on man get up get on get on everyone just get on and be and be fine yo big up lewis shires big up lewis shires big up big up hope you are well my friend um i can't tell anyone how to behave in a chat just i don't know everyone just get along and be fine in it just be chill everyone be fine be chill it's a monday It's a great day. We're heading into the new week. Let's not fight and start calling each other names and stuff. Let's all be nice to each other and help each other out. Come on, people. No need for the extra stuff. No need for all of that. Come on, sirs. Come on, come on, come on. No need for the extra stuff. No need for the extra stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. But yeah, moving on from that one. Let's quickly mention this because I've just seen this pop up on my timeline and this needs to be kind of spoken about because I think people don't give this man enough props for what it is, right? So this picture's going wild, right? Look, 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 at this picture. This picture of ASAP Rocky and Rihanna at the Oscars. There's another one where she's wearing another outfit. I guess she must have changed halfway through. But there's been a lot of conversation around Rocky and Rihanna, especially when you consider the flipping Vogue magazine cover and the fact that Rocky was standing behind her holding the baby and Rihanna being a way bigger star than he, he is and obviously having more money and all this malarkey. And I don't really understand why this is a conversation piece because I feel like there's a lot more people out there, especially guys, who... Aren't able to deal with women who just make more money on OnlyFans or women selling, you know, lingerie, or they have their little streetwear brand or a tracksuit brand or something or loungewear brand that they're doing really good bits and bobs with. Men are unable, some of them on social media, to kind of handle that or that she just has a good job. The fact that Rocky seems to be very secure and it seems to be clearly in love and smitten and all over each other. This guy's clearly one of her biggest fans and she the same. Whenever Rocky performs in places, you see, you know, Rihanna there in VIP, throwing the flipping, you know, the gang signs up, you know, smoking on a little sign when she's not pregnant, sipping on something and enjoying herself. They clearly have a great time. So I don't understand the pushback or the criticism guys have with how Rocky is kind of conducting himself in this relationship. I do not understand it. This is very, very, very strange. I don't get it, especially when you consider these people, two of these people or even one, maybe both, are out of most people's tax brackets. And I think in general, these type of tax bracket relationships are not for the common people, They're not for the everyday person. The things that you have to do to kind of keep yourself um, somewhat secure in these relationships are not really some things that you see normal, regular people having to do. So when people kind of have a lot of stuff to say to this, I think they're using too much of their personal experience, which is somewhat relatable, but also not really. You know, when has when's the last time you bumped into some woman who might be a flipping billionaire for selling makeup and lingerie? Right? When's the last time you bumped into a rapper like Rocky who, not the most active when it comes to music, but somehow incredibly well known and famous for dressing really well and looking handsome. It doesn't really happen. So the fact that they've been able to join forces and create this amazing powerhouse. And another thing I mentioned, which I want to say is that as I cover a lot of comedians on here who clearly don't like their partners and like to spend any time they can away from them on tour. Isn't it really refreshing to see a couple, to see a couple, that clearly enjoy each other's company and clearly are in love. Look at the smiles on their faces. They're smitten. They're all over each other, legitimately all over each other. And I think that's absolutely great to see and incredibly refreshing given given what we see usually with these artists in real life. I think it's absolutely incredible to see. Now, am I a fan of every time someone gets pregnant, they have to come out with flipping outfits that showcase the belly and all that stuff? No, is it a little bit annoying? Of course, like maternity's kind of turned into its own little content drive, right? It's sort of like um, a physiological version of those red boots everyone's wearing. Those flipping, <laughs> those, anime, those anime red boots, right? They're essentially, they're a content machine. You buy them their content. You You put them on their content. You walk on the street their content. You try and take them off their content. The same thing can be said for being pregnant, right? It turns the entire process of, you know, from conception all the way to delivery into being a whole content drive in itself. But, you know, the game is the game. But big up to, um, you know, uh, newly pregnant Rihanna for her second child. Uh, Big up Rocky for being the consummate professional and standing by her side and doing what a real n-word should be doing right and repping and supporting your woman when she's out there doing great things and championing her and we would love to see it and we'd love to see more of it going forward i have no complaints moving on we have Berghain News. April lineup for Berghain has been released. April lineup for Bergheim has been released and I am over the moon. I'm absolutely ecstatic with this news. I'm doing backflips in my chair as I speak about it right now because April is stacked. Stacked, 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 crazy, bloody stacked. Have you guys seen this lineup? for april have you seen how crazy it's going have you seen how insane everybody is that's going to be playing there first of all the first night of april the first night of april specifically april 1st look at that look at this lineup already on april 1st look at the lineup on april bloody first most likely you'll have freddie k Closing April 1st. You have the return of minimal legend Len Faki playing there. You have Nini H, who I'm a big fan of, playing there. You have R. Roxy Moore playing there, who I'm a big fan of. In Panorama Bar, you have the LA legend, the LA young legend Channel Trays playing. You have a debut set of Etap Kyle playing at Panorama Bar. You have Jennifer Loveless playing. You have Joss Cafe playing. Natalie Serres. Octa, Octa. Octa, Octa, sorry. Rush from Friends. Oh my God. Legitimately, maybe one of the best panorama bar lineups I've seen in a while. And obviously, Bergheim main room isn't too shabby either. Crazy good. And that's the first night. The first night only, right? The first night only. The first night only okay the first night only then we jump into this which I'm considering going to which is the October um the April Easter so so the April holidays no sorry the Easter holidays in April April holidays Easter or Oster which is obviously Easter right cool Easter club night there Saturday the 8th of April this is crazy essentially it's basically a club Sylvester But they've only got two rooms open, which is quite nuts because I'm assuming they're going to be going open for longer. So it's probably going to be open until Tuesday, maybe not or maybe late Monday evening to get all these people in. The lineup is absolutely insane. So Berkheim main room, you've got DJ Q, you've got Helena Half, who I'm really eager to go see play. I really want to see her play, perform live. Honey Dijon playing in the main room, because sometimes Honey Dijon flirts between Pano and Bergkonson there. Jacko Jacko, LCD XOXO, who I'd love to see her play there in the main room. Luke Slater, another legend and OG playing there. Regis, Renee Wise, the young up-and-coming legend. He's going to probably bring a big pe- cl- crowd there. Steffi who usually plays in Philippine Panorama Bar and is a house legend, is going to be playing in there. Then in, then in Panorama Bar, you got Faddy Moham playing live. Arm playing there for Indivision. Legend. Ben Clock playing there. Hiroki, sorry, Hiroku Yamamura playing there. Jennifer Cardini, of course, playing there. Kiki Col- Kiki Lomo playing there. Midland, Mike Starr, Nick Hopner, O.K. Williams, Ryan Elliott, Soundstream... Soundstream, soundstream, Tamosoma and Virginia playing also. Are you stupid? That might be one of the best lineups ever. But unfortunately for me, Ryanair flights to Berlin during this weekend because it's Easter are crazy expensive. I think I saw something like, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, like three hundred pounds or something, either way. No, to go return, sorry, which is absolutely nuts. But If you do see an increase in random shows, if you do see me doing random shows every single day until this day, you know why. (laughs) This is what I'm going to be trying to raise funds on. If you see me doing random shows every other day, if you see me ranting and raving about Brendan Shaw and Brian Callen and Joe Rogan and stuff on the microphone and screaming to chin to get paid more you know why. You'll know why. Because those lineups are absolutely disgusting. And I really can't wait to see them. you got some more too. Snack Club is going to be pretty decent, of course. As per usual. you got Great Life from Earth night happening with Bergheim Raymond open. you got Beautylyism 3000 playing. That's going to have all the TikTok kids there. Um, you've got DJ Cugola, MCRT, Ace of Demons. You know what I mean? That's going to be a really popular one, I can imagine. You've got a really good club Nuts here on the 15th. That's really nice with Dr. Rubenstein playing in Bergheim, Joanna Kaio Geiger, um, and in Panorama Bar, you've got Cynthia there, Gabriel Kwarteng, Sedef Adasi, like, oh, so, so good. And then, of course, one of the other good ones is one here happening at the end of the month also, that features DVS-1 playing there in Bergheim main room, which is going to be absolutely crazy. But one of the lists that I have listed that I'm probably going to try to make able to go is this night 25th of march so i'm thinking of making this happen most likely i'm probably going to do a little saturday to tuesday jaunt jump over and quickly go see it number one because i want to go see answer code request play electro legend so seeing that kind of electro sound in the main room is going to be pretty sick i also want to see face Tower perform there that's going to be awesome and then of course in the main room sorry, in the pain bar, not main room You're going to have Avalon Emerson playing there, who's going to be great to see that kind of trancey housey sound there. But my main favourite has to be Gerd Jansen. Gerd Janssen, who I've seen so many times here in London, and clearly, from my opinion, some of his best sets I've ever seen him play have been in Panorama Bar. That's going to be great. And then, of course, people like Jada G, um, who I love some of her productions. That's going to be pretty nice. And Roy Perez. That's going to be pretty sick to see too. So I'm really looking forward to it. So this is the 25th of March that I'm probably going to be looking at, specking up to, to go. But the April lineups for Berghain and Paranabar are really disgustingly good. And I can't wait to see more of it going forward. I can't wait to see more of it going forward. Sticking on the Berghain topic, I thought I'd quickly mention and highlight this. Where is it? Uh, no, there we go. Is it that? No, it's not that. Where is it? 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 Bear with me a seconds. I pull it up. Where is it? Have I got it here. Huh? Where is it? Why can I find it here? Um. Anyway, let me just get off the screen. See if I can find it here. Bear with me a sec. Okay. So before I continue. To mention this. So yeah, let's mention this. So, um another thing that I think was quickly mentioned, that I need to highlight here, is this event happening at the end of the week, end of the month. So I would have probably went to this. This is Dweller, are going to be hosting or basically you know programming the entire night um at Bergheim. Um, they're going to take over Bergheim main floor on Friday and Panorama Bar. And if all things being equal, and maybe if I could afford both, I would. But because the 25th of March date, it's going to cover my ability to go bird kind. And obviously also go to Paloma Bar to go see uh, for the power disco night, uh, powerhouse night. Sorry, with Finn Johansson and DJ P, which I love. So I can basically kill two birds with one stone. But if not, if it was just a bird thing I was going for, I would definitely change my dates and go for this. So, Dweller is one of the kind of foremost and maybe one of the biggest, um, you know, uh, black centric um, dance music festivals out there in North America. And for them to bring this over to Europe and also have it all be an entirely black lineup is absolutely incredible, in my opinion. And it's really great to see because I remember mentioning it beforehand, offhandedly, and someone mentioned it before, like in the comments, saying that I should actually be offended, which I'm not really. But I guess what they mean, because I was like, oh, I don't really see many people in Fold, you know, playing there who are black for the most part. Even though I love Fold and I love it, and I think it's amazing. I also didn't think it was important because I feel like the, the struggle of a DJ is really kind of it's not really um limited to your skin colour, it's kinda just a struggle in general because it's not and it's like kinda like doing stand up. There is no direct path to the top. You kind of have to kind of you know zig and zag to kind of get your way there. So to include topics of like, you know, colour and race and sexual orientation to get you bookings is just a bit weird to me. But that person in my comments did say no, it's an issue. It really is something you should think about um and maybe highlight because it is kind of (laughs) it is kind of you know messed up that a club like Fold that's really cool. And, um, and really amazing out there is kind of, uh, you know, obviously got a big catchment area and kind of appeals, so a big group of people has not been able to kind of maybe reflect the people that go to the Ravens or lineup. But anyway, it could be a number of reasons. But i was just think to myself, like, there's, that, or there's my position there, which is maybe a little bit too forgiving, a little bit too sitting on the fence. And then there's also what Dweller do, where they're unapologetically black. They just book who they book, they present it how they present it, and that's it. Either you like it or you don't. And the uncompromising way that they presented it and now it's kind of evolving and they're kind of pushing it and now it's kind of got to a stage where they're doing nights that they're going to be doing at Burkheim is absolutely incredible. Especially when you think about how much pushback Frankie and co got with Woman. When Woman first started about being essentially an answer or an antidote to the all white, all Caucasian, all male lineups that existed in, in festivals and stuff and representing people who are kind of, you know, that fell between the margins or were maybe ostracized based on their color, race, creed, sexual orientation, whatever it may be. And then they got absolutely lambasted for it, right? And sometimes by other women, which is absolutely bizarre. And now we're in a position where I feel like, you know, this woman basically had to take the, they were kind of the sacrificial lamb when it comes to that sort of stuff because now I feel like, especially in London, most of the popping parties and raves and whatnot and festivals are the ones where they are very specifically are made to appeal to a particular community a particular niche they're not going for the general consumer person who wants to see svenvar play or richie horton play they want to appeal to their community whether it's queer whether it's lgbtq whether it's gay whether it's whatever bipoc whatever they're exactly directing those people and those are the ones that have really been popping off and i feel like a lot of it has come because of all the struggles and the pain that flipping um this woman had to kind of suffer for and they're now kind of you know reaping the benefits and the beauties of it because of their sacrifice but also it's lovely now that this woman reincarnated kinder which is dweller is now able to kind of reap those rewards and enjoy those fruits also and you would hope that this lineup that they have coming up on the 31st of march in bergen and Paramba will be something that's not the only thing hopefully they have opportunity to kind of take this festival and this tour around the world around europe especially europe because i feel like this education or kind of see in black faces, play this type of music, dance music, which I love, which essentially is rooted in blackness anyway, and have it presented again in this kind of way, unapologetically, just dance what it does, with some of the best teachers in the world, is the best way to, I think, once I won't say re-educate people, because it comes across a little bit disingenuous, a little bit insulting, but just a kind of way, a better way to sort of present it and sort of highlight, hey, these voices, these artists, this type of expression does exist. Because a lot of the time, when those debates are happening online, I feel like people just don't know it exists or the references are just too far back in terms of, you know, maybe some Detroit legends, Chicago legends that people don't really look at too much. And it's very difficult for kids nowadays to kind of be able to join the dots. But if you just put those people up front and, you know, center and say, hey, perform, you're playing the same type of music. The levels are still high. The production is still amazing. The party's popping, people are dancing. It's like, you'll be like, okay, cool, I get it now. And I think that's where it kind of needs to go, but... In general, the lineup looks great. It's Dweller at Bergkind. The Flyer looks really awesome too. Um, 31st of March. Um, main room, you've got Dream Crusher Live. you got D. Strange playing. you got Juliana Huxable and Shy Boy. Um, every time I see Juliana Huxable, I have to share my very awkward encounter with her because I feel like it was absolutely hilarious and said more about me and um, my inability to, I want say read the room, and also just to kind of leave people alone in general. Because uh, I remember, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I actually came out the toilet. Um, of the Panorama Bar toilets after doing the fattest line ever and my head was spinning. So I was a little bit, you know, wasn't in my best of shape, but that's not an excuse. And then as I came into the Panorama Bar, I see Julian and Hoxtable there with a couple of friends talking. And, you know, they're not talking like a deep conversation from what I can say. I thought it'd be, you know, okay to kind of say hi and say, hey, enjoyed your set. I go over and I make sure as well, which I did, which I usually do. I usually couldn't shake someone's shoulder or tap them and stuff. I make sure not to do that. I make sure just to kind of wave and kind of get her attention without touching. And she turns around. I'm like, hey, great set or something. And the look I got back from Julian Huxable was a mix of confusion, disgust, um, apathy, uh, resentment. uh, I don't know. It was like a mix of loads of things in one. (laughs) and it kind of reminded me again i was like yeah man what i always got this rule in my head that kind of remembers like i got my rule of never speaking to djs because for the most part when you meet them especially speak to them in person it usually is always kind of bad especially in a rave environment because you know they're high you're high whatever sometimes or whatever they're annoyed they're tired or just generally they just might not be good people they might be amazing djs but not the nicest person to speak to so it can maybe taint how you look at them which is not fair also because you should be judging them based on what they do behind the decks and not if they reply to your messages or are nice to you when you say hi to them sometimes. So... I walked away from that experience thinking you know what that's the first and last time that I do that and I'm also not going to let that experience taint how I look at the DJ so I've still listened to Julian Huxley's sets I'm still keeping an eye out for releases and stuff and you know still being a fan from afar he hasn't tainted it completely this is not like a Law cross situation where you know I had one sketchy encounter or DM exchange with said person and now I'm kind of you know you're dead to me Sabotov. it's not there i'm just kind of I'm, I'm sensible now i've grown up like hey it was my fault i shouldn't have said anything anyway we're in panorama by everyone's doing crazy stuff anyway the last place you want to have a conversation with your fans is the panorama bar flipping <laughs> dance floor but yeah big Julian junior shy boy also and in panorama bar sick lineup also you have here Byron the great low vision river moon stacy Hotwax, wax hail absolutely banging lineup and again really important that this is happening especially it being a north american based festival them doing this in europe given how fraught and contentious the relationship is or even the conversations around the techno house music disco evens origins in black culture and black history and having that conversation in real time on the dance floor with records, with vibes, with people them is going to be sick. Cause I'm sure all the blacks in Berlin, which there's a few of them, but you know, they act a bit bougie sometimes. You know, it's a really strange experience bumping into some fellow black people in Berghans sometimes. There's this vibe of like, especially if they're with a lot of white people, they're like, oh no, I want to be the only cool black friend in my social group. Or sometimes they're really friendly, overly friendly, like super cool. Um, which i always love but it's just funny but anyway regardless i'm sure they're going to come out and have a great time it was going to be a blast and i wish i could be there i really do but i'm sure it's going to be absolutely amazing so big up dweller for being able to put that event together that's going to be absolutely crazy next oh yeah so big up um tracy abbott thank you for tuning in big up um, ambico big up um next on list on here let's tune to this so This is a pretty cool little article that I went to highlight and shout out because originally I wasn't really a fan of this kid. I thought he was kind of corny, kind of lame. Still probably do. The content's not for me. But one thing I have to rate and I have to kind of give props to this kid and just the kids in general, the younger ones coming up, is that I feel like they are way more aspirational, entrepreneurial, and they just think way bigger goal-wise than we ever did. Because I feel like in days gone by, when I was coming up in the streetwear industry or streetwear scene and I was coming up in, you know, doing my stuff on nightlife and, you know, uh, doing club nights and whatnot with people, DJing, you know, trying to do graffiti, <laughs> trying to skateboard, all this type of good stuff, right? Trying to actively take part in culture and, you know, leave my little mark on a timeline of flipping art history and whatnot. A lot of us, myself included, wanted to just get really cool jobs, right? You wanted, for instance, like at the time when I was coming up, the piece de resistance job to have was to be like the Nike energy marketing manager, which essentially you were in charge of, you know, all the cool bits and bobs to do with nike when it comes to releasing limited edition shoes putting on cool events seeding cool interesting people um you know going to industry parties fashion shows being a face around town and just being the kind of dot connector type of person and that was the sort of job that everyone kind of wanted and sort of fought for and of course with it being a really cool job and working at nike a lot of people don't leave those jobs they get promoted they recommend friends it's very difficult to kind of get them from the outside looking in but people really love that more than anything. more than probably creating your own brand or setting up your agency but I I feel like this younger generation of kids maybe 10 years younger or whatnot they're all really entrepreneurial and they're all really driven to do their own thing they don't really have any aspiration of being the supreme designer or for working as a social media manager at Stussy. They actually just wanna have their own agency, they wanna have their own little group of clients, they wanna have their own little platform on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok. They wanna maybe be a tastemaker, an influence on social, but they don't really aspire to have like really amazing jobs they kind of feel like no i can empower myself and get paid you know the bag to kind of you know promote these shoes to put on these cool fits to go in these cool parties and i feel like one of the good examples of this is this guy called icy cough who most of you will know from doing those videos where he goes around asking people how much they are how much yeah so what are you wearing today how much your outfit is costing right and um obviously the most famous one i remember him for was obviously that, that ian connor one where he didn't really want to be there and he was talking about is whatever he's talking about but for me what 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 kind of turned me off about it is because I'm from a generation where you never really spoke about where you got your stuff you kind of kept it quiet there was a lot of gatekeeping and you didn't really post about you buying your thing you just kind of turned up in the outfit you had the you had the piece you had this you had that but it wasn't really a lot of showcasing like um, all that kind of pickup um, you know Trend sort of stuff kind of died on forums i feel like after that most of the people tried to keep their purchases what they wore to quiet or maybe keep it to a couple of pictures here and there but it wasn't really a, a point of like showing okay this is five this is that it came across a little bit like lacking in class or whatnot but over time that's changed people don't really brag about the price like it's money they just brag more so because it gives them cultural currency like hey i'm involved i'm part of the conversation so let's play a little clip of it anyway so you can see what i'm talking about but this is a clip taken from him let's play this one it says how much. Your outfit, Paris, and see how these kids sound.
1: You got the you? denim on the it. Yo, wait, wait. Oh my god,
2: dress underneath from Le Maire
1: 700. 700. The okay. So, it's been a long ass time. This is very nostalgic, and this is a uh, iconic moment for me we're in paris for paris fashion week and i was like let's do a meetup you can see by the title you can see by the people behind me we're doing a how much is your outfit after a very very long time with everyone here very psyched to do this so let's get straight into this oh my god i haven't done i haven't said this in so long how much is your outfit all right so yo wait wait oh my god that's so sick bro i haven't said that in so long okay wait how much is your outfit? Okay, so my coat is, that uh, i shifted, is like 20 dolo- twenty euros. Nice. Um, my father gave me, so zero. Uh, it's a weekday shirt, so like 10. Uh, no face studio pants, like uh, wow. 200. Um, and uh, vintage <laughs> SB. I like the red laces, man. Let's go. And like, uh, my mother gave me, so zero. Nice, man. So nice to meet you. So tell me, how much did you... (laughs) (laughs) You see how disappointed
0: he was that the kid didn't have an expensive outfit on. Did you you hear that? The funny thing also I love about this is that for the most part, I remember from checking some clips in the past, I'd have watched it in a long time. But one thing I do remember being a constant theme that was really interesting. Usually the kids who spent the least had the most style. The ones who spent the most had zero style, just wearing labels and wearing brands for the sake of it, or, you know, maybe trendy pieces at the time. And that's kind of a common adage you see in style overall in terms of people that like clothes. Usually, if you've got any sense of style, you don't necessarily limit yourself to the brands or to the amount something costs. You just buy what fits your overall style and you try and make that work. And um, it doesn't matter if it's thrifted. It doesn't matter if it's flipping, um, what do you call it, hand-me-downs. If it, was ma- if it was, you know, you grabbed it from a bin, whatever it may be, or even if, it's, if it's technically quote-unquote old. If it works, it works. Let's continue
1: outfit g okay we can start with the shoes okay these are shine luxury studios boots uh, 290 Damn. then Marnie pants the retail is like 950 but I bought them for 290 so pretty much a steal I like that then <laughs> the uh, the jacket is from my brand Unveined studios It's, it's a your brand good yeah, okay this is brand. nice I like this Thank you so much. yeah it's like from firefighters
2: oh kinda. yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah and there I can't show it but yeah it's like a GmbH oh, long sleeve okay and yeah, Ruth Atelier
0: back. Is that how you pronounce GmbH? GmbH, Or is he saying that in like his language? I thought he was just pronounced I I didn't know it was G-M-B-H. Rated, okay, my bad. G-M-B-H is then. I used to call it G-M-B-H Berlin. It's one of my favorite labels out there. They're absolutely smashing it, to be fair. Um, you know, some of their coats, boots, leather pants. But yeah, G-M-B-H. Huh
1: and yeah that's pretty much it oh yeah the prices i forgot it almost uh, yeah I, I forgot too. <laughs> uh let's yeah, just say it now a while, right it's been so, a minute yeah. i'm rusty that's like 200 uh the jacket is 280 uh, but it's for free for me actually nice <laughs> so, and the game Bihar one is uh, i bought a 50 off so 150. we like the stills <laughs> we like the stills like appreciate <laughs> man appreciate cool. how much
0: so you, you get the gist of what he's doing but the other thing i also like about what he's trying to do now is that he's got his own brand he has his own brand called Bonwee Studios. I'm kind of a little bit, you know, the name I hate because I don't I don't understand kids who kind of keep using like foreign language to kind of describe their brands or name their brands when they don't speak the said language, because I don't think the kid's French. I don't think so anyway. But hey, it is what it is. Bon we, oui, good night. And the thing that I like about it the most, for me personally, is that it's not just t-shirts, which he does have here. I love BN. He's also, for some reason, decided one of the kind of first bits and pieces that he kind of did it was a leather biker jacket, or sorry, a leather kind of trucker jacket, denim jacket type vibe. And he's also got this really nice leather trench coat. So that's the kind of time and love vibe that I like. So instead of this kid having aspirations to work for ID, work for the face, um, go work at some agency somewhere, he empowered himself, used, you know, all the connects and funds and whatnot from what he had been doing in brand wise and built a brand now up from the ground up, little capsule collection thing. Um, you know basically got on Shopify making it all himself and banking all the profits and whatnot and then if he wants to kind of build it up and go you know big I'm sure a production company like a New Gods group could easily come in and funnel some money behind it push some money behind it increase the production and then bang you've got an entire big label going on there that's actually going to be able to do some bits and bobs so I actually like this approach that these kids are doing they're very aspirational dream, they dream big They're not just dreaming based on occupation. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to make this lifestyle thing happen for real, for real. 3D, HD, 360 degree camera vibes, no messing around. And they also do that thing where they drop stuff limited edition, right? They have like a time thing. A lot of these kids love doing this. They'll drop something for a specific time. Like they got here, some relief t-shirt, only available for 48 hours. If you don't buy it then, you can't buy it anymore. And it is kind of gone. So in theory or in short, in short, um big up icy cough big up what he's doing got a great little interview here with hypebeast where he's talking about what he'd done and whatnot you can check out if you're that interested as well but i just wanted to give these kids a shout out because i think it's pretty impressive that they're instead of you know trying to find cool jobs like we were doing back in the day they're legitimately, legitimately trying to empower themselves and go for some interesting stuff going forward. Um, so let's continue. Let's actually read a little bit. Of it. it says here, um, "You're the man with many plates." Sorry, you're a man with lots of plates spinning presently. But what does your motivation originally to sort of start from the get-go? He says, "Originally, I found it easier to make friends online than in school. So naturally." grew towards talking to a camera and people via social platforms and then it kind of started to grow um i always wanted to call his clothes growing up so i was like if i can make this thing blow i can achieve this so that's where it started actually you know what come to think of it i think i may have seen this kid around where i live i think he may have lived near me for for a bit i think so i'm not if i'm not mistaken i think i may have saw him one time when i went out for a run if i'm not mistaken maybe i'm mistaken anyway let's continue um what would you say was your biggest inspiration I mean, Rick Owens, 100%. I got to go into fashion through Tumblr. ASAP Mob was massive too. You know, the fashion killer era. Odd Future, 100%. Easy Season 1 was a big influence too. I got inspired by all these movements and then everything just, took off from there it'll be fucking hilarious if this kid ends up having his sh- flipping stuff um, designed and made and presented on Paris Fashion Week just imagine going from asking kids how much their outfit costs to suddenly presenting your clothes on Paris Fashion Week that's a glow up that's a flex and a half How would you describe the brand in your own personal style? My brand, Bonnui, is very focused on things that are very simple and have quality feel. The brand really is me trying to tell a story through fabrics and the shapes I use in clothing. Bonnui is just my true young self. Growing up, I could only have the one set of clothing. And at the beginning of the year, that had to last me the whole year. So my mindset going through is longevity. People will have these items for a long time. I wanted to make the clothes that my dad would wear too, creating clothing that is easy, accessible to everyone, and is long-lasting, which makes sense as well when you think about what he's got here, right, with the leather jackets, um, you know, the leather trench coat-looking thing, the leather trucker, the hat and stuff. All these things can be worn again and again and again. And actually, that Techno shirt is really good as well. That was really well done. Uh, You've got Techno here. Is that, yeah, is that like in a silver uh, foil font? And then it's got it, I think, printed on the inside. So it's reversed on the outside on silver and then it's printed correctly underneath the thing in black, which is pretty cool. Um, I like that t-shirt, not mad at that as well. And it continues here, says, I hear you've been working with Azalea's Jack Harper on some bits you put out too. He said, yeah, Jack Harper's been helping me since the very beginning, like 2020. I got tired of buying into trends, which were just coming every single week. So I was like, let me do something different. Why not buy something that's better quality and that will last longer? And Jack was like on for the ride and on the team helping me out so yeah so big up this kid anyway in general not gonna read the entire thing you see what the vibes are saying um you know the poses are a little bit corny a little bit lame but again the kid's 26 you know what i mean let him enjoy he's absolutely smashing it and i absolutely love to see it i absolutely love to see it yeah eve you're right eve is right here to be fair there's way more avenues for commercial success available now yeah true I'm sure there was for sure. Um, I think us coming up or myself coming up, there probably wasn't enough avenues. And maybe there was, wasn't enough people doing it really to show you what I on. And And um, a lot of people sort of like uh, put jobs on pedestals. Well, I feel like now jobs aren't on pedestals because people actually know what the jobs are about. Um, the mysticism around it is kind of gone. So that kinda of helps as well. So yeah, you're definitely right, Evie. You're definitely, definitely, definitely right. And that one and then another shout I want to give regarding these street style picture people is this guy, which I'm sure some of you are aware of. This guy called Maurice, who does the People's Gallery. And I'm sure most of you have checked it out. The People Gallery Instagram account, where he basically um, interviews people the same sort of way that Icy Cough does is similar, but not with prices, more so with style. Ask them what they're wearing. He'll bump into people. And again, this is, I quite like this because we're not too sure if this is set up. If he's kind of emailing these people beforehand, is he bumping into them randomly on the street? We don't know, but I like that. It's kind of a bit confusing, a little bit hard to read, um, but it does feel somewhat um, organic and somewhat, you know, somewhat in the moment type of vibe and i think one of my favorite ones recently is this i think i might have even commented on it with this guy i forgot his name but he's a guy that hangs around with um the kardashians and interesting enough he has a really cool outfit on and i think i mentioned in the comments here as i've read here he has a really cool outfit on given that he's you know very wealthy has a lot of money but he also wears kind of basic items, but he probably has a lot more style than a lot of people that, that are kind of dripped and drabbed in all the best brands. Um, his name is, uh, what's his name? Eunice Benjima. And obviously, he's the kid that kind of hangs around the Kardashians and whatnot. And he was interviewed by uh, the People's Gallery as well. So hear what he has to say about what he's wearing. going today? Amazing, man.
1: What's your name? Where are you from?
0: Benjima Eunice. I'm from Paris. Paris is yeah. definitely... Not- He's always out here screaming. Big up Maurice screaming.
1: <laughs> Stop playing with him. I mean. Yeah. I mean, we see the look. <laughs> Definitely see the face of the for us right quick. Yeah. That's a Supreme Jacket. Okay. That's the Levi's Denim. That's, that's all I wear. Okay. Classic AF1. Kinda of hard to find, you know, with the white swoosh. Damn! Okay. Oh
2: wait, I'm wearing something.
0: That is actually true, you know. Those cause I'm I'm a big, I'm a big Fan and obsessive of black sneakers i've got so many like too many maybe you know maybe over 20 really crazy combinations and usually it is pretty difficult to find an all solid black pair of air force ones with just a white swoosh sometimes you'll find them all black solid black white swoosh white outsole white all black white swoosh with the white accent on the back like all these little different edits but it's really hard to find you get completely black with just a white swoosh for some reason they don't make them, and when they do make them, the leather quality is terrible. So you have to buy them for like JD Sports, and the quality is super plastic. So this is really, really great.
2: Something special today,
1: the CJ47. Yee. That's my brand. Okay, shout out to your brand for show. I'm going to see accessories. Uh-huh. That's LA made, custom made. Uh huh. That's one of one made it here in Paris. Okay. That's a present for my homie for my birthday. Okay. And I don't wear no gold, so that's old silver or platinum. Damn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you give anybody a style tip, what would it be? You know what? I always say health, happiness, and faith, the rest will buy it. I like that. I like <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? What's your favorite meal? Uh sweet potato and chicken for mama. Stop playing with them. Shout to your mama! So mama and man. what's your zodiac sign? Taurus. Big Taurus. You Big see tourist. that boy? You're looking good. You know People what I'm saying? Thank you mayo, so- man. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate of you. Course. Thank you so much.
0: So yeah, pretty good. Um, big fan of it so big up him and then of course he sat down also with business insider for a little interview which i thought was cool and again is an indication of where this guy is going and i also like that he's changed the profile picture of his instagram account and it's got his face on it because it's branding now people know who he is Gets around town gets that word out this is an article courtesy of business insider are you among the best friends at nyc let maurice karma of viral tiktok hit the people's gallery be the judge um, it says here you could be the next person featured in the People's Gallery. Um, what's your name? Where are you from? It says the name's here. Karma, Kamara sorry, is a 35-year-old Brooklyn native who has created a dedicated following by doing impromptu fashion breakdowns, primarily in the chic streets of Soho. And I'm sure someone like him has a deep history in fashion, probably tried to work in the industry, maybe was working in some sort of mid-level, low-level, whatever, but just, you know, trying to do your thing and you're not really getting far because of the politics because you have to kiss people's asses, because it's just a nonsense then he just decides you know what let's just grab this camera and go outside and see what I go on New York's like you know um, a place of um, lots of you know fashion inspiration loads of people in the industry are kind of crossing paths there and live there nowadays I'm sure you're going to bump into somebody and then boom it kind of goes crazy so he's probably going to get way further in his career if he wants to work in fashion doing what he's doing now than ever working and flipping regular 9 to 5 in the industry which is sad really because I don't think it's a bad thing to want to have a really cool job in the industry. But unfortunately, they're just really hard to come by. Or if they are there, they're very difficult to kind of grow up the ranks because of internal politics. And sometimes just because there's so many people that want them. The demand is just crazy and there's not enough jobs to fulfill that demand. So it says here, um, known as the People Gallery, Karma has amassed 630,000 followers across TikTok and Instagram. He has interviewed supermodels, influencers, rappers, actors, among others. Kamara, who works for a luxury designer brand in the city, has proved that he has an eye for fashion. I predict soon, Kamara will quit that job that he's working for a luxury company, 100%, because he'll become way too much of an asset to culture. He'll be making way too much money recording people in their outfits and whatnot, documenting all that stuff than he will ever be doing, working for a designer brand, in my opinion. I hope that does happen for him. It continues. Most recently, he stopped to chat with Bones and All actress Taylor Russell, which went completely viral if you haven't seen it. Taylor Russell was on there. And um, essentially, that one clip that he shared of her, I think was the reason why that flipping... Is it a Luebe jacket? That big inflamed um, green puffer jacket that she was wearing. That's why that jacket went crazy because of him. So big up, big up, big up him. And obviously her wearing it. And Grammy nominated rapper um, gorilla. He spoke to late Migos star Takeoff and New York's radio and Cardi B. Some of his other outfit breakdowns uh, from this year include a wide range of other notable celebrities, such as um, singers Doja Cat and whatnot. Kamara prides himself on the content being authentic, even when he bumps into bigger stars. It's their it's their ensembles that draw him in before he recognizes them or knows what they do for a living. He says, "When I did Taylor Russell, I didn't even know who she was. Oh, wow, amazing! I didn't know her, but her outfit was amazing." Kamara said she saw how many people were on my page already and was so excited to do it when she saw Alexi Demi it made her feel comfortable oh awesome so that kind of helps i guess Um, Kamara is never seen, but always heard in the background of his videos with New York being an episode of fashion, it serves as a perfect backdrop. He says, I think New York is way bolder than other places. There are certain things you could never, you could wear in New York that I feel if you could go somewhere else, people look at you like you're crazy. So in New York city, the comfort level when it comes to fashion is like no other. I feel like you'll see people step out on the box, um, step out of the box a little bit more and take more risks in New York City because the comfort level here is different. He's got this, of course, the famous video here with flipping Doja Cat, staring into the camera. Let's actually play a bit of that, actually, see what she says.
1: Good. What's your name and where you from? My name's Amala and I'm from California. California. Okay, Callie is definitely in the house. Stop playing with her. We see your look. Can you describe it for us today? So this is uh, head-to-toe Balenciaga. Uh, okay. As the jewelry. And okay. then I don't know. Brett would know. Okay. Uh, I have uh, parts of four on my hands. Uh-huh. And then this is Balenciaga. Oh, my God. Amazing, amazing. And nice then look. for my grills, I had alligator Jesus do uh, fangs for me. But um, one fell out. Okay,
0: stop playing with her. If you give anybody a styling tip, what would it be? Um. Have fun. I'm boring. I don't know. What's your favourite meal? (laughs) This thing is stopping too much. Sorry about that. Let's continue on. Um, what well, they decided to hit record the rest is history growing up in Brooklyn Kamara was into fashion from a young age he remembers working at his first four job and saving up to buy the newest pair of Jordans and his influences also include hip-hop culture which was ever present in his neighborhood before the people gallery Kamara would record his friends outfits and post them on his personal Instagram stories but he knew he wanted to expand outside his inner circle one thing about me in New York City I'm always giving people compliments about their outfits and I think it's something that I wish more people would do yeah, I used to do this quite often too, but then you sometimes you feel like a creep, especially a straight coming from a straight guy and speaking to, you know, saying girls look amazing in outfits. You can sometimes feel like, you know, you want to get into their pants, which you obviously don't. You just literally admire the outfit. But now I just do it with looks. So I'll be like, ooh, I mean look-wise, but sometimes that can come across a bit weird as well. So I wish I could do that often, but I just stopped doing it now because, you know, you don't want to end up on Instagram. Um, and as time came, um, as time went on, an idea popped into my head like you should document it he kept procrastinating until one day he was in brooklyn and saw the man wearing a 70s despite outfit in the video the man's wearing a thrifted button down which was long patterned sheer he said he added a purple feather bow to complete the look he also had the black heeled bottoms and glass with a green tint i saw this kid with an amazing outfit i never saw it before in my life and i wanted to start now this is a time i just pulled out my phone and out and asked him can i record him and he said yeah I was very uh, nervous. I saw him coming miles away. I'm like, holy shit. I've always wanted to do this. And here's this kid coming towards me. Here's my opportunity. So this is the first one. This is the one, right? This is the first ever one. The first ever one recorded. As you can see there, I'm not going to play because my, my my computer's going crazy. Um... For a fashion enthusiast working in Soho, has his perts, Kamara could be work at when sorry, Kamara could be at work when a person like Louis Vuitton pulls up to a store in the neighborhood and just won a rock. Rapper hopped out of his car in front of a going store when Kamara made his move. He credits this interaction with helping his page to get to the next level. A lot of times, I'm even surprised myself. I know people think it's all this all set up. Okay, so it's organic. He's saying it's not. It's all not not set up. To be fair, Kamara, my friend Maurice. This isn't the greatest outfit. You can't be documenting people's outfits and then you step out with this. That looks a bit mad, my guy. You know what I mean? But I'm going to let you off. We all have our days. Um, I'll be minding my business. I'll be walking somewhere, going somewhere, and I'll just see a person with a good look. I don't just do any celeb. If Kamara infuses him and warm demeanor that gets celebrities to trust him, he recalls when he came across one of his favourite actors, Bukim Woodbin. Um, when I met him one day at Canal Street, I let him know what I was doing and I was trying to get him on my page. He told me he couldn't do it today, but he'll do it tomorrow. I thought he was giving me the runaround, but he actually gave me his phone number. Ted. I was able to contact him the next day. He told me to meet him somewhere and he'll do the video. And after he did the video, he told me that the reason why he did the video is because he liked my hunger and the way I approached him and loved what I was doing amazing amazing that's him of course the actor there so yeah so big up Maurice kamara for doing absolutely great stuff i like that he's been featured on flipping business insider this hopefully will be the start of great and many things coming forward and hopefully he gets to the bag he secures the bag he makes more money and he does what it needs to be done and i obviously 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 love it so moving on from that one I want to talk about oh it's about this quickly where is it let's talk about this because I think this is the most important thing that I kind of want to get off my chest here before we end so as most of you guys are aware Nike have linked up with Cortese, Cortez 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 however you pronounce the name but they're doing absolute bits here in the UK and beyond because the guy behind it is going to parts of Europe and stuff and being recognized by kids all over the place. He's smashing it. He's got the children in the palm of his hands. He's got the culture in the palm of his hands. So the Nike collab makes complete sense when they announced it. They announced it, the leak a bit was amazing. They had the logo shown outside the Nike town store in London, in Oxford Street. If you know anything about the Nike town store in London, Oxford Street, and it's flipping connection to culture, um, you know, what it meant to us growing up, going there, um, sometimes even getting jobs there, um, the, you know, the, the football tournaments, the Jogo Benito stuff, like, that place is legendary, that Nike Town Store in London, is a legendary spot for queuing, for SBs and shit, like fights, whatever, it's a fucking legendary spot, so them doing that flipping launch, was great and amazing, showing the logo outside of it, now, no one knew what the shoes would be. I think I participated myself a little bit here and there about what the shoes would look like um, and what they would kind of go with. And now we've kind of got an official look at the shoes and the entire package going together. And one thing's for sure, one thing's for sure, the tracksuits that put the shoes together, so the tracksuit that goes with the shoes makes the shoes look better. But being a fan of what they do and being eagerly anticipating what it would actually end up looking like I am a little bit disappointed the shoes are a little bit underwhelming number one underwhelming because of the model the Nike MX95 I feel like is a weird choice to make for a brand that I think is more Gen Z than it is millennial I would say right and I think that the 95 probably has more of a connection with people my age or from my generation than it would do with the kids especially because I remember growing up before 95s were like really expensive they were like 120 130 maybe they're about that now maybe 145 regards but they're really expensive um maybe the most expensive trainers back then air max's were like tls and stuff and tns they're like 150 sometimes you could get them in like little woods catalogs crazy but 95s were the the shoe that a lot of guys in my area would wear like the like the what you call like the trappers would wear and essentially, back in the day, when there was that like kind of like the crossover between like garage and grime, there was that like little period in between. A lot of guys that used to go to like Stratford Rex back in the day would wear 95s as like their version of a Prada. They put a 95 on like a clean, fresh pair, a pair of jeans and then like an Armani exchange shirt on, a Versace shirt with the Medusa on it. And that would be what they'd be wearing. But the 95 was like, OK, this is the piece of resistance of the outfit because the shoe is like 130. It's like a big boy Air Max. And that was what you see all the olders be wearing. Then when we were coming up, we were basically obsessed with like 95s or even TNs. That was kind of like my generation's kind of shoe. And 95s are kind of old hat. They're a bit bulky and they kind of you only restricted to olders. And I feel like nowadays with kids growing up, or especially now this generation, I don't know, I would assume maybe a 9E would be more adapt or more kind of, you know, make more sense for this Cortez collaboration, maybe an Air Max 1, maybe a nike air max 87 um uh maybe a tailwind maybe a 180 maybe they even could decide to tap back into the harachi because the harachi ellie for a moment that harachi ellie was had an absolute grip on the streets right everyone was wearing harachis now it's like jordan ones and stuff but that would have made more sense even going as far as jordan one which i think is a little bit boring and trite or even what's that other shoe i'm thinking of would be a good example there's this other shoe. Um, I forgot the name of it, but a lot of people in ends are wearing them. They had basically it's an all bubble sole. I forgot the name of it, um, but yeah, it's very popular for a while. Maybe I'll put a picture up later if I can remember it. That would have made more sense. I feel like the MX ninety five is an odd choice, and then the colorway as well is strange. But I can't really be too critical because I think. When you get given a collaboration with Nike to design a shoe from the bottom up, it can be very difficult to make it work and to kind of pick the right colours or to pick the right things, whatnot, because essentially you get the keys to the flipping Willy Wonka chocolate factory, all the materials, all the resources, all the talent, and sometimes it can just go a bit crazy. And to me, the shoe model itself and the colorway, it kind of reminds me of like, you remember when you are in art back in the day, and if you put all the colours into the palette and you mix them, you end up with this like shitty brown colour Like if you put everything in, and I think this is what you kind of end up here. You've got this kind of a green scale colorway, um, which different kind of gradients of green on them. But essentially it kind of just looks a little bit like, you know, I don't know. It's a little bit of a shrug of a shoulder in some regard. I do like the addition of the Cortez here embroidered on the side and obviously here to the front of the mudguard where the swoosh would be you've got the little sea star there the yellow air bubble i do like personally because it reminds me of like vintage um air maxes like if you was to buy a vintage pair of an air max um that's been you know in a cupboard somewhere um, it would maybe be yellowed out a little bit it reminds me of the neon air, you know air maxes in that regard but the colorway, i'm not really too fond of i do like the mesh part here towards the top of the eye lace days that looks pretty decent and the leather quality does look really nice it looks like they may have used the leather they used to use on air max 95s which was the code.jp ones i don't know if you guys remember those but there used to be this crazy line of code.jp air 95s that were done in all leather that were bloody amazing and i think they used to go for like 200 plus pounds now they might be more on resale but they're really really nice i'm surprised they haven't actually been retroed but they're really really cool but the color is not too great but again the thing that i like about them is i feel like the track suit is a really good um is a, it kind of makes the shoes it kind of elevates your shoes. And if anything, it kind of reminds me of when Footlooker used to sell a particular line of tracksuits, sometimes with, with Air Maxes. They like, would have like a TL or a TN or 95 or something, and they'd make a specific Footlooker-specific tracksuit, like an exclusive one. You couldn't get anywhere else. And the tracksuit used to be bucks. used to be like, I don't know, 130 for the set. And sometimes it'd go as far as having a matching hat with it which would go for crazy money too, and it would sell out all the time, even though people, I don't know where people in the end are getting this money from, but I couldn't buy it with my flipping EMA money. But I think this is a really good nod. I think that may be what the what the flipping founder of the brand went for by doing this tracksuit, but he does tracksuits anyway. But I feel like this really works well with the Air Maxes. So in isolation, I don't like the shoes. But I do like them in this whole entire look. I think they look sick with the look in both colorways um, of the tracksuit. You've got this uh, um, olive army green sort of colorway, and then you've got this sort of like a what do you get, Tree bark type, camo type colorway also. But I think they look great in both. But as a shoe itself, I'm not really that impressed. I think the model's a bit underwhelming. The colorway is a bit underwhelming. But I do like the overall look of the tracksuit. Like that as a look altogether is crazy good. Right, you got the logo here on the front, you got another logo here on the side, and I guess it's all made by my Nike as well, so it drops amazing. I like the fact that they didn't put the elastic on the bottom of the cuffs, which is something that drives me crazy. No elastic on the cuffs, just a zip so you can sag them nicely and it can drop nice over your shoes. This it would look great with a pair of Air Force Ones, also like absolutely banging. I love the entire thing. Um, let's go here with the article. It says, um, after staging a crossbar challenge to give away. Yeah, the crossbar challenge as well was all, yeah, everything didn't really make any sense. How are you going to have a crossbar challenge with pair Air Max 95s? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. But, you know, cultural-wise and whatnot, it didn't make sense. But, you know, as a shoe, it's a bit weird. It continues. The video with RTW rules the world. Reporters from Korea, France, Japan, and England sharing breaking news of the release. The announcement is seen sending shockwaves throughout the world and stock markets. Following the reference to the Cuspera challenge, the journey then takes us everywhere from the room to the off the rails, the sneakhead street tunnels of the back TV of back of ATV to subtle details scattered. Take a look at the video below and stay tuned for the brand's um, Instagram. So yeah, let's check the video. Actually, let's play a little bit of it here.
1: Justin, we've been following the story overnight c'est
2: le chaou ici à paris les gens deviennent fous pour avoir une paire
1: 90 grand, 90 grand, 100 grand, 100 grand of there, 110 grand, 110 grand, 110 grand. Going, going, go
0: sold go for 110 grand to the man in the great jacket. Hi, boom. Hi, yo. Hi, listen. Okay. Ah! Hi, f- <laughs> <laughs> should save my life. Greetings, madam. You know these courtiers, Max yeah, N95. Yeah, I wanted to make an inquiry into. A-
2: all right, same night. So, welcome to a man's room and that. Obviously, man's a proud holder, but I know you know about these ones, though. Can you stop
0: calling me, please?
2: Can you stop calling,
0: please? Wait, I don't think you understand. I cannot help you. Like, at all. <laughs> sick. Cortez rules the world. That's it. <laughs> Yo, Nike fucking cut the check on that promo, innit? God damn it. Hopefully this means we're going to get some other bits and bobs. So maybe my reservations on the model and the shoe choice and whatnot and the colorway will be um alleviated because i did see two other colorways featuring that little um auction skit they had in there so there's two colorways coming up which is nice so maybe similar to the pattern thing um where they dropped many colorways of the same sort of model they may see that and this also may be a long-term partnership that'd be pretty cool imagine if they brought cortez inside or Cortez, how you pronounce it in in in-house and kind of made it another sort of side thing of what they're doing. Um, you know, like what kind of like Drake is doing with Nocta. That would be pretty sick. if That would be a massive look, right? From going from a kid designing T-shirts and stuff himself to now suddenly working in-house with Nike. That'd be a great way to go about things. But... Yeah, and the, the little skit with the kids, again, maybe I'm not in touch. Maybe the kids do fantasize and hold 95s up on a pedestal. But from being out and about in the streets and stuff, I don't really see kids wearing 95s that much, to be fair. Um, maybe because they're out there pressure because they're too bulky. But the fact that he's bringing them back and making them be a thing is a good thing. Maybe it's a little nod. Look at them closely. It may be a nod back to the 95s, the original neon ones. That might be an updated version of them. But still... Um, I think maybe another choice of shoe might have went better, but I still think they look incredible with the tracksuit. But isolation, I'm not really the biggest fan of them. I've got to be completely honest about that. But I'm sure they're going to do absolutely bits, regardless of what I have to say there. And I do like the fact that, the main thing is that these track pants, no elastic. You don't understand how annoying it is when you get Nike tracksuits that are great and they've got an elastic cuff in the bottom of them. Usually what I have to do, I'd have to kind of, Back in the day, I'd I'd kind of unstitch the bottom and take the elastic strap off of them and then steam the bottom of the flipping hem to kind of get all the wrinkles out. But it never really does, just to kind of make them sure they're flat so they drop on Air Force Ones or Air Maxes and stuff. But yeah, that's back in the day pain in it. But yeah, he solved that issue there. And I think it's got a little button snap enclosure on the side. So yeah, big up Cortez for doing absolute amazing bits. Love to see it hopefully it continues on thriving and we see more going forward because that that flipping advert doesn't look like it's a one hit and done collab that looks like they put some absolute money budget behind it they flew in talent lighting camera people extras and stuff like that's a lot that's a lot of money that was spent on that flipping ad especially in the recessionary at the moment i don't think this is a one hit and done there's definitely more in the pipeline and hopefully we get more and obviously that I means well, each drop of shoe we might get each so we've got two colors of the tracksuit here right so maybe each drop of shoe you see two different tracksuits which would be pretty sick um so yeah big up courtiers of up what they're doing um we don't got a release yet have we got a release yet? we do have a release actually um what it says here after revealing a collaborative issue the green colorway will officially launch the Cortez website on Ma- march 10th uh, which is already passed and it hasn't been confirmed by nike yet but the global launch will soon likely follow so they're obviously let- letting him do his own thing like the- dropping it how he does it um to to the streets touching the kids and whatnot and then global thing will come later so keep an eye out for that if you're interested in it keep an eye out for that if you're interested anyway that has been the excellent thing show episode number six five three episode number six five three of show. You, that has been it it's concluding thank you so much for tuning in um it's been a pleasure to have your company if it's the first time you checking out my stuff you know what to do please smash the like button down below that'd be greatly appreciated give me a little like down below um click following that well if you're listening via the podcast app of course share this with your family and friends that would also be awesome um that'd be great you can leave me a review if you can as well on the apple podcast site on the spotify site they've got a place to leave reviews also all that stuff would be greatly appreciated it really 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 would but aside from that i do appreciate every single one of you tuning in and hanging out with me it's been a pleasure as you if you're listening via the audio podcast side of things you can hear my tune of the day if you're watching via video you want to hear a tune it'll just fade to black and i'll see you guys again very soon take care man Ooh.